to episode 96 of the Pack Heavy Podcast, where today I have guest Justin Kapetsky, who is a co-owner and CEO of Justo's Plant-Based Dips, which was a company that was established in 2019, and they have a real focus on not only creating delicious plant-based dips, but they're also on a mission to leave a positive impact on both people and the planet, and this was outlined in today's conversation um, as Justin went into their B Corp certification and their 1% for the Planet membership. And they've also developed a program called 1% for the People, which is really cool too. And um, Justin's actually back on the second time um, onto this podcast. And for those of you who didn't catch our first conversation, I do encourage you to go back to episode 37, where Justin went back into the specifics of their startup story. Um, Before we kick off in today's conversation with Justin, though, I do want to wish you all a happy Canadian Thanksgiving. And for the rest of you around the world, I do want to offer my thanks to you all as well. Uh, for your ongoing support of this show, um, I can't believe that I'm fast approaching episode 100 and the two year mark actually, and I really can't wait to continue bringing these startup stories from our industry. But with that said, I'm always open to uh, inviting feedback, and if there's anything that you think that's working or not working with the show, or you also have a guest that you'd love to hear on the show, please let me know. And the easiest way to do that is by emailing me at hayden at thepackheavypodcast.com, or you can also find me on LinkedIn at Hayden Thompson, that's T-H-O-M-S-O-N. Now, episode 96 with Justin. This is a good conversation. Um, Justin's just so easy to talk to, and the hour went by really quick, um, almost as quick as the last 12 months since Justin and I spoke. And um, it's been a busy 12 months for the boys over at Justos, uh, predominantly due to the recent transition of their production to a new contract manufacturer who is actually located here in Vancouver, just across the ditch from Victoria, where they're from. And um, I guess the interesting part is that ultimately meant that they had to cut some of their emotional ties to some of their dips uh, when they moved across to the co-packer. So um, we also touched on a few other things, including the preparation of the business for the soon-to-be-happening investment round, a little on branding, and uh, just some good old chit-chat with Justin. So I think that's enough from me for now. I'll let Justin speak for himself. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Cheers. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Hayden. Appreciate it. Lovely, uh, lovely to be back. Yeah, man. I'm thrilled to have you back on. Um, I've been fortunate enough to have interviewed you previously on the show. And I, for anyone out there that hasn't listened to our prior um, conversation, I encourage you to go back and have a listen because there was a lot to be learned throughout that episode. And uh, mate, you have had a huge 12 months uh, since we did speak. Um, you know, every time I'm jumping on LinkedIn, I feel as if you're up there and there's something that you're announcing. So mate, yeah, you've been very busy, I can see. Yeah, it's been, uh, especially the last, I'd say, six-ish months or so, my, uh, my one co-partner or my one co-founder, Eric, he, uh, he had a baby as well. So his ah. baby, uh, they're, they're doing really well and they're up in the Comox Valley now, but essentially yeah. he's taken a bit of a step back. So had a couple different roles to fill and uh, essentially kind of maintaining the current operations of the business as we kind of looked forward to, I guess, yeah, the, the next stage and scaling, scaling things, yeah. That's awesome. And you've still got Tyler and Adam on board, I see as well. Yeah. Yeah. They're, all, they're both working full time. Um, so yeah, it's currently just the three of us actually, which is yeah. uh, in, you know, a transition of course, but yeah, for sure. Good. Mate, there's a lot that we can talk about today. I mean, I wrote down some things that are top of mind for me. You're a B Corp now, 1% for the planet. They're both rigorous and important 
And, uh, you know, coming from my previous uh, role at Salt Spring Coffee before I um, jumped on board at Food Pack, both uh, Salt Spring is a B Corp and 1% for the planet. So I'm very familiar with that. And I understand the value that that brings to a business and to the world. So we'd love to touch on that. Um, obviously, community and sustainability are still a focus for you at, at Justos. It has been ingrained in your DNA from day one. And I'd love to sort of hear how you're sort of continuing to make an impact. And that sort of ties in nicely to B Corp and 1% for the planet. Cross promotions and trade shows is something that we can talk about. And then last of all, you know, um, as you just suggested before we kicked off the episode, you've just moved your production facility across to Vancouver, which I can imagine would have been a hell of a rigmarole. Um, but I would love to, yeah, dig into it, mate. So where do you want to start? Well, we could just go through that list, I guess, in in the order that you you mentioned, or yeah, whatever whatever you're feeling. I'm 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 pretty easy, man. Yeah. Well, I guess the big news is you know you were producing your own product in a kitchen in Victoria, and you have moved everything across to Vancouver. So, what was the motivating driver behind all of that, and how did you manage to make it all work? Yeah. Well, it was it was a stressful time, that's for sure. Maintaining yeah, essentially our current operations of production every week, and you know we were delivering ourselves. We had uh, a really great team of uh, employees that were helping us produce it as well as deliver it. But, uh, you know, I was doing the Up Island run and, you know, the Vancouver runs as well and kind of managing everything. But essentially the main, the main aspect of wanting to go this route was getting to scale and kind of hitting past that mark. We had essentially hit our, I guess, our, the top end that we could really produce at in this kind of smaller kitchen. It was a shared commercial kitchen. Yeah. Um, and we also had kind of gone through all of the independent accounts on the island and, and over into you know the metro Vancouver area. So there wasn't really any more stores to hit because um, you know when it comes to a perishable product, um, essentially you know you need to hit certain safety certifications for your production facility. And you know we were a, a licensed commercial kitchen, but we definitely didn't have uh, any of like the HACCP or kind of mm. the higher level things that were attainable just because of the nature of the kitchen itself. There's yeah. like other businesses and it's a pretty open concept and really difficult to implement and maintain that. So yeah. that was kind of the, the driving factor was, hey, we've hit a bit of a ceiling. You know, how can we grow? We can either build our own facility, invest in our own teams, our own systems, all this type of stuff. Or, you know, we can essentially work with uh, another company that makes their own products or other people's products. They have the machinery, the equipment, the staff, and more importantly, the, the food safety certification. Mm. They're really expensive and difficult and uh, yeah, just hard to achieve essentially. So I guess that was kind of the, the main aspects of doing it as well as on a personal level too. You know, my, I guess, intentions for this business is not to be making product every week and delivering it. It's, you know, I ideally would love to kind of engage in a higher level role and be able to um yeah i don't know you know float up within the organization and yeah. not be overly involved in you know the more monotonous type of uh creation of every week type stuff so yeah yeah the, the personal driving factor behind it but yeah it was multifaceted for sure that's awesome and how did you find it like when you're out searching for a partner so that could do the uh the production and the packing for you was it easy or was it did you find it kind of limiting out there in terms of like their capabilities how did you find the search yeah, it was difficult. Um, it was pretty much a full-time, a roughly full-time job for me for just over a year, essentially. And mm. we'd gotten close with a bunch of different co-packers. We were, you know, almost signing contracts and engaging with people out in the East Coast and Ottawa. That didn't work out. It turned out to be a nightmare of an experience that yeah. really taught a lot of lessons, that's for sure. 
Um, and then even here in Vancouver, you know, I've chatted with, um, I mean, through the country, probably over like 20 to 30 different co-packers. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are quite expensive. A lot of them have really high minimums. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them just couldn't do what we were looking for in terms of whether it was the viscosity of the product, um, glass jars in the facility or any of these other things, because they all required different machinery or different mm-hmm safety certifications and all of this type of stuff right so to find the partner that was perfect for us was really quite difficult but i'm i'm very happy with uh the fact that i've been able to find a, a good partner and someone who's willing to work with us so good and throughout the process were you sort of firm on what your requirements were and you're like no we're not willing to sort of waver on you know our set of criteria or did you find that you had to sort of somewhat be flexible and in the end you know adjust your expectations or you know like you just said some uh, manufacturers would have glass in their facility and others wouldn't so did you sort of have to make make room for being a little bit um flexible in that way yeah, well, at the start, we were not flexible at all. It was like, hey, no, this is our requirements. This is what we want. This is what we're yeah. going to find someone. Yeah. Uh, and after banging my head on the wall for about six months, I was like, hey, all right, guys, we got to figure out a, a new game plan here and kind of figure out some way that we can kind of, we can pivot, essentially. Mm-hmm. And yes, through that was actually the, I guess, realization that we wouldn't be able to do all of our SKUs. So um, yeah. I don't know if, if, if um you're across this at all but essentially we've taken out our line of hummus and our mm-hmm. salsa as well wow. and we're yeah. just moving forward with our plant-based alternatives which okay. is essentially our uh, emulsion-based dips which is like our tzatziki our ranch and our queso yeah um so those ones yeah essentially like with the the thickness of the product the the processes and everything else it was just too difficult to do all of the products um and it was just going to cost too much money as well. So then mm. you know, we would have to raise our prices. And, and hummus is such a competitive category that mm. you can't be too high above the other competition. Otherwise, you know, it's never going to sell. Um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely we had to compromise a little bit and not even necessarily compromise, but shift exactly you know, the hills that we were willing to die on, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you launched, you were born on hummus. Like this is where the business started. So how did you sort of feel, you know, when you had to put it on the chopping block? Was that a, a hard decision to make for you? Or are you like, no, I don't want to let it go. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I started the business. I made like 50 different flavors of hummus. Mm. Once. And I was just like, wow, I love this. This is so great. Um, and yeah, it was definitely, it was, it was a little tough for sure. Yeah. A lot of people have, have reached out and said, you know, really going to miss the dips or the, the hummus in particular um you know people really love the truffle and yeah that was my favorite the truffle was awesome (laughs) great but uh, to be honest with you over the probably year and a bit i i haven't been able to eat hummus like there's (laughs) (laughs) when you're when you're producing it every single you're maxed out yeah it all the time and you're making sure it's the right quality yeah yeah oh man so actually the other um the other week i went camping and i bought a container of holy hummus and i was like this feels weird this feels wrong but I was like, you know what? It's it's time for me to move on and support the other people because I yeah. do this. And it was great to um to indulge myself in something that wasn't my own creations, which is previously I, I didn't do that for like three years, right? Yeah, so, yeah, just out of principle. I was the same when I was in the coffee world. Like I'd go out and I'd have a coffee, but I'd feel like I was cheating. <laughs> yeah. 
That's funny. Actually, speaking of hummus, the guys at Habibi's doing a really good job there. We uh, we eat the Habibi's hummus at home just because I can, you know, access it really easily. And yeah, it's delicious. So yeah, I'm a huge hummus fan as well. But mate, yeah, that was a big question that I had for you. I was just like, how did you work through that? Like, was it a mental hurdle? But yeah, cool to you know, see that you realize that, you know, when you ran the projections and you realize that it was the best thing for the business that you had no problems putting it on the chopping block. Cause essentially that's what you had to do. Exactly. I mean, emotional attachment within business is a dangerous thing. Yeah. You gotta do what's right. Not only listening to yeah. people were giving like yeah. hummus, but people really, really love the, like the tzatziki in, in particular in the queso and, mm. um, yeah, it's, you know, you, we go to the trade shows like Planted uh, or CHFA and, and those yeah. are the products that people were extremely excited about. And yeah. just from a margin standpoint, it worked better in our favor. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're at a competitive price compared to others in the market, as well as, you know, us bring home a little bit more margin, which obviously helps, um, especially when we're, you know, we have all of these kind of philanthropic um, initiatives that take mm-hmm. away part of that margin as well. So, yeah, I mean... Definitely tough decisions for sure. Um, a lot of thought and and care went into it. Um, and yeah, like you said, it was born on the hummus, so it was it was difficult. But at the end of the day, you gotta you gotta do what's right and be able to move forward. And yeah, and you know that's that's just how she goes, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And you never know what the future holds as well. Like you can always bring it back if the time's right and you find a manufacturer that you know you align with as you grow as well. Like it's it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Now I remember um, some time ago, we were also talking about the availability of the glass jars that you were using, that you were struggling to sort of keep your supply consistent and that, you know, obviously like storage, there are obviously multiple issues with glass as well, as we was discussing in the past. How are you sort of finding that's all washed out now that we seem to sort of be somewhat on the other side of COVID? Have things improved for you? Yeah, it's been a little bit better. So I think around Sometime after the last time we had chatted, I actually imported a full, like high 40 foot container of glass jars. Yeah. Just so we could essentially sit on a stock, not have to worry about it. Um, so that's been honestly like not too big of an issue as of right now. Obviously, it was a lot of upfront capital that we had to put up. Yeah. Um, and there actually has been some issues like the pallets they were put on were not high quality. One of the pallets fell over. Yeah. So that, that in itself wasn't a very good thing. Um, but in terms of like the actual supply chain of it, it's been pretty good until up until recently. Um, and it's, it's still great, but essentially we're moving forward with the glass jars in particular, um, with a company called Consolidated Bottle. Okay. Uh, and it's a bit of like a, just a bit of a brokerage essentially that do it on, on a larger scale. And, you know, we pay a bit of a deposit up front, they bring them in, they store them at a 3PL and we just pull from them as we need. And Perfect. So, yeah. Uh, like really going to help us out quite a bit you know, moving forward but yeah i mean the glass is always you know the, the more that essentially i've become educated and and learn more about it you know originally the main draw to us for the glass was hey you know what we're doing things on a smaller scale farmers markets local grocery stores our own deliveries we can implement this return system yeah yeah, yeah. Awesome. um i think we did probably around 17 or 18,000 jar returns in the first like couple of years of the business, which mm. was pretty, pretty awesome. It was, a, it was a lot of jar washing, that's for sure. Um, but it was, it was, it was really great. Um, now moving forward, unfortunately for that, we're you know, no longer able to facilitate that jar return because uh, no distributor is willing to essentially mm. 
not with us or for us. So um, we're no longer doing that. And so it's kind of brought into question like is glass the best option for us on a sustainability standpoint, um, as well as a functionality standpoint. So um, yeah, I don't know. That's actually something where like, you know, we've kind of chatted um, and as well with, with one of your, one of your colleagues. As Dane. Well. Yeah. 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 Um, awesome guy. And yeah, essentially like we haven't, it's still very early stages, more just like thoughts in my head, but I mm. think the potentially the, I guess the, the main kind of packaging that you guys do is this kind of flexible um, yeah. scouts and all this, these yeah. things. And it's very interesting. I'm, I'm trying to, I guess, educate myself a little bit more on that side of things in terms of environmentally and whatever else, but I kind of foresee that maybe being a bit of a line for, you know, a line of sauces or something like that. I don't know if yeah. that sense for dips. Yeah. Uh, like them having the nice kind of round you know thing that you dip the chip in it i know it's like the whole sort of like romance you know and sort of the usability of a jar like when it comes to dips like that it's so functional like for a dip but yeah i mean there's a time and a place for a flexible package we do have some clients out there that have shifted you know their products whether it's a jam or we've got a client that's uh, shifting some of their hummus over into a spout pouch right now, like a squeeze pouch. And yeah, I mean, it does make sense in the right application, but you've got also got to sort of think strategically about the end user and how your consumer is going to be using it and consuming the product. And uh, it's got to align with your vision too. So it's a, it's got to be a pretty strategic move though. Yeah. Absolutely. And a lot of work that goes into it too with yeah. you know, artwork and purchase orders. Oh, and dude, hundred percent. Everything, right? Because yeah. Is kind of explaining us to the price breaks and everything and you really got to be yep. able to you know yeah, have a bit of purchasing power and be really confident yeah yeah yep. no absolutely mate i mean at the end of the day like the packaging piece of a food product is completely critical as you know for shelf life expectations um you know like we mentioned before the way that the end user uses the product but it's also got to be functional in production and makes sense for you and your co-packer as well so yeah there are so many boxes that need to be checked um but yeah, man, cool that you're considering it. Like, yeah, keep the conversation going with Dino. He's just a wealth of information, man. And if you've got any questions, just shoot him his way and he'll definitely be able to help you. Um, man, speaking of coming across to Vancouver as well, I can imagine that, you know, one of the motivating factors would be that it would open up a whole new world of distribution for you to allow you to get right across the country, you know, with cold chain and so on. How is that all sort of panning out for you? Yeah, it's... Um... It's going well, uh, essentially. Well, I mean, it's going well in terms of uh, we've onboarded with a couple different distributors. So yep. uh, we're launching into food service, which is exciting. So yeah. we got our stuff into Gordon Food Service, which is-, which is Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, we're just waiting to essentially get final pictures uploaded and whatever else. So it's live mm -hmm. on our kind of platform, which is very difficult to navigate. And yeah. <laughs> like weird terminology from gs1 and all this other type of stuff that it's like a complete different language yeah walmart's the same walmart's a nightmare <laughs> just an fyi yeah yeah um and then yeah on the more retail side of things um we're initially launching with canadian artisan foods um and actually on on that front as well is we're actually no longer a cool chain product oh, right so essentially through different processing techniques and, and using you know essentially ph and filling temperature and all this other type of stuff um we're able to be a, a 12 month ambient product shelf stable dude that's a huge huge win in your favor that's awesome congratulations on that one too thank you so essentially like you know on that distribution side of things like previously we had been doing it all of ourselves mm. 
the blue refrigerator van that we'd drive every which way. Um, and, you know, our products would have, you know, around a month long shelf life. And now it's, you know, 12 months non-refrigerated. It's, it's kind of, it's just freeing for sure. So that's definitely a massive thing for us just on that back end side of things. But yeah. Yeah, we're essentially like, I got my Canadian Artisan Foods PO. Uh, they got that delivered yesterday. So we're just re really in this process of, you know, filling, filling the distributors. And then from there, ideally filling the grocery stores as well as the restaurants and all that type of stuff. So we're kind of in this, we've been in this weird limbo flux, flux period for, you know, the past month or so as we've been doing production, getting everything ready, getting it sent out. And now it's kind of, it's kind of go time from, you know, here forward, essentially. So it's very uh, exciting. And yeah, to bring it back to your question as well, like, I think our current focus is really to kind of win within West, Western Canada. So kind of BC mainly mm. and a little bit in Alberta as well. Um, but the interest is there for us to go out east and we've been getting quotes on, you know, essentially shipping stuff out there. And there's also been a lot of interest from some different online grocery stores too and different things like that. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. I'm not overly involved in the sales side of the business. That's more Tyler. And yeah, I, I remember that was Tyler's domain. Yeah. Yeah, but I think I can remember... Yeah, something well.ca was one of them. And there was maybe another one that went into the States as well. So I think cool. there's a lot of opportunity in terms of sending stuff out east. And having it be a non-cool chain is going to be really helpful as well. Dude. Like freight costs and, and just logistical challenges and everything else, right? Yeah, yeah. No, dude, I can imagine. Um, trade shows, you were at Planted Expo. You're also at CHFA. How was your experience there? And what did you learn? Yeah, it was great. I mean, I think bringing it back to uh, like, I guess a little bit earlier in the conversation, it was really understanding, okay, which of these products that we have, people really love. And it was more the plant-based alternatives that people were like, especially at Planted because mm. everywhere is vegan. It's big focus, yeah. Raving about essentially like, wow, this is so creamy, so delicious. It tastes just like, you know, tzatziki or queso or whatever ranch. And they're like, we haven't had anything that's taste this fresh and this good um in, in a really long time so they were that, that was kind of a really good bit of information we also had a lot of interest from different distributors we also met our um our co-packer which is called plant veda at um at the chfa so that yep. was a connection but again like when we were at these shows it was just a bit of a tease where it was like hey like we're here, we have these products, but we don't have the ability to get it to, you know, 90% of the buyers that are here or the yeah. or work with the brokers because we're essentially trying to figure out our back end and figure out how to scale. So, you know, Adam was telling me the other day, he was looking back on one of his journal entries from that, the ferry ride home after that. And he was just writing like, man, it was really great. Lots of opportunities, but honestly can't wait to just have this system up and running and going so we can actually start to, I guess, execute on these relationships and yeah. actual you know i guess progress within it whereas yeah. it hasn't been progress but internally it's been like hey this is where we're trying to get it's been difficult to get here but now you've built it so yeah dude it. now let's just like step back a little bit to sort of like where we were when we spoke last time like you had like quite the vision for the business and obviously like here you are you've executed on a lot of it a lot of 
you know, a lot of hours and a lot of sort of like brain power has been spent with not only yourself, but the team as well. Cause like you mentioned before, like Tyler is like heavy on the sales. Like you've all got your domain that you're working. How did you sort of like break it down into stages and like, did you sort of go, okay, this is our focus right now. Like talk me through sort of like the project management side of executing on your vision. Yeah. Well, you know, to be honest with you, like a lot of it, a lot of it has been very heavily dependent on setting up the systems for scale, right? Mm. Like we've, we've been dreaming and kind of creating these plans and visions for, okay, once we do get scale, or once we do have the, I guess the backend production ability yeah. to scale, you know, how are we then going to execute on that? So we have a full on such a game plan and I suppose yeah, it was just like a plan of attack, essentially, in terms of like where we're going to target in terms of, you know, regionally different chains and also within the kind of the food service space as well. Um, but a lot of it, to be honest with you, it, it was really held up on just the fact that we couldn't find a co-packer that was, mm. was that would work for us, that could do the products that we wanted, um, you know, that was willing to do it at the, the scale that we were able to launch at and, and all of this type of stuff, right? So yeah. it was... It was really difficult. It was extremely stressful, very challenging. Um, but I think we just approached it as a bit of a day a day by day time. Like we yeah. the the end vision in mind in terms of what we wanted from this relationship and how we wanted to essentially operate as a business and then just working backwards from there. Yeah. So we're kind of, I guess, yeah, like at the the in-between phase of you know, here's here's the vision in terms of what we've been planning. We've been able to get, you know, a third of the way in terms of setting up the system. Now it's really about, okay, how can we move forward and execute on what we've been working towards? Essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been difficult as well because, like, that's kind of my domain. And, you know, Adam, he's really involved in marketing. He's been wanting to drive, you know, trial and, and purchasing and all this type of stuff. And, and then Taylor, Tyler's side of things, you know, he's really involved in the sales side of things. But it's been this kind of like stagnant period of just being patient and waiting for the ability to explode. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's been, yeah, it, it was super stressful to be honest. Like, cause that, yeah. that was kind of my domain. And, you know, at different times it was like, damn, am I, am I holding everyone back here? Like I, like technically yes, but like I'm doing my best. You know, yeah. You can only move as quickly as you can. And yeah. Yeah. yeah just kind of figuring it out and you know leveraging other people within our networks talking to people like hey have you guys done co-packing who have you worked with what's been your experience like trying to just learn as much as possible as moving it forward at the same time mm -hmm. while you know keeping our current operations going and everything which is like a full-time job in its own and it was just like yeah, yeah. a lot Dude. a lot of balls in the air so i'd say the project management operational style there it was it was touch and go, a little up and down, um, but yeah, I'm just kind of glad that we're on the other side right now, to be honest. Yeah, I remember when we spoke, you also mentioned that was sort of Tyler was the guy that sort of managed to bring a lot of you together. Like, um, you know, he was also um, the guy that somewhat brought in some systems that you implemented from an early stage as well. How do you all work together? Like, you've all got your own lane that you stick to, but how do you all sort of like, do you meet weekly or are you... Like how frequently are you all talking to ensure that you're all on the same page? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, we have essentially developed a bit of a unique system where like we have different one-on-ones set up on a weekly basis between oh, cool. Adam, Tyler, and I. Yeah. And then every week we also have a, a kind of like a high-level executive meeting where we just chat through all the big agenda items, you know, looking forward, making sure we're that all, there's nothing that's kind of slipped through the cracks. Um, and we also use Slack. So we essentially chat yeah. on Slack, like, you know, every day we're, we're communicating back and forth in different channels based on different kind of aspects of the business. Um, and also Adam and I live together. So we chat together. You know, Over all dinner, all the time. <laughs> of, you know, business, friendship, all and everything in between. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very good. Mate, um, where do you want to steer this conversation next? I guess like B Corp and 1% for the planet are two huge critical pieces of the wheel as well for you. Um, and I do understand the impact that they bring to a business and the impact that they have on the world. Um, do you want to speak a little bit to both of the um, certs um, that you've got or the the programs that you're working with and um, and sort of the how they, you sort of envisage they're going to help you and the business grow and the impact that it's going to have on the business too. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, well, bringing it back to kind of what we had chatted about earlier was, um, you know, did the jar returns unable mm. to do that? So that's really where we looked at, okay, we knew that this change was going to be coming. So um, that's when we signed up to be a 1% for the planet member. Um, and through that, we've elected to work with an organization called the Plastic Credit Exchange. Cool. Essentially what they do is they empower um kind of women in entrepreneurial women within i guess impoverished communities around different places in the world that have really uh, difficult plastic pollution issues um and essentially it funds them in terms of collecting recyclable plastic um sending that off to real facilities and then you know making sure that that actually gets recycled or turned into fuel or you know made useful essentially while yeah so the way it works out for us just in terms of you know like a one percent means one percent of top line revenue um through that we're able to essentially take out um 90 grams of plastic uh, with every jar that's sold which is amazing significant Um, yeah that's equivalent to like seven of the typical kind of like deli container plastic yeah yeah visual reference because 90 grams of plastic what does that really mean um so that's really awesome and essentially that goes you know right in line with us being trying to be as sustainable as we can and as possible like every business is every business is going to have an impact um in a a negative way unless you know you're you're a unicorn um but essentially you know how can we offset as much as we're using and we don't really use very much plastic but the plastic pollution issue is kind of something that we're really passionate about especially Mm -hmm. close here in victoria um and then essentially through that as well like um we not only do the one percent for the planet we also do we also created our own initiative called one percent for the people i saw that yeah yeah so that's something that's been probably one of my favorite parts of the business is like ever since day one we've um had this initiative of you we sell a jar and we donate one serving which would be 30 grams of our hummus to essentially uh, at-risk populations mm. so, um, since day one i think we've donated around like almost eight thousand pounds of our own hummus to different um, community organizations around victoria up island and in metro vancouver as well 
Um, so essentially like larger organizations, we, get, we would you know, give them big 15 kilogram buckets of, of our awesome freshly made hummus. Uh, and then they would distribute that, whether it would go to different schools for lunch programs or different um, you know, community programs we would get sent off to people um, in, in you know, temporary housing or people that would come to um, you know, community food events, that type of stuff. So that's been really amazing. And essentially, now that we're not making hummus anymore, again, looking forward, how can we change that? Um, so that's where we looked at this 1% for the people model. Um, and essentially, it's the same thing as 1% for the planet, 1% of our top line revenue. So essentially, we've you know, committed 2% of our top line revenue to these two different causes. Um, and that goes towards essentially like ideally moving forward. Um, my, my dream of it is if we're able to purchase different plant-based produce from local farmers and then um, give that to different food banks or whatever else. And I'm working, there's a, an awesome woman named Aaliyah that works. Um, she started a company called Love Grub. Love the Grub. Yeah, she's coming on next week. That's awesome. I'm very glad you guys um, are going to chat because she's, yeah. she's, she's incredible. Yeah, uh, yeah. They use all imperfect produce. and, and mm. It's a great story. Yeah. Um, so that's really inspiring to me because we're able to essentially source imperfect produce to give to people who are, you know, don't have the food security that many others have. And it's not only fighting, you know, one issue, it's fighting food waste issues as well too, right? And supporting local farmers too. So I don't know, it's kind of like a three pronged effect. So that hasn't been fully implemented as of yet, um, but that is my vision with it. And that's where I'm hoping to take that, um, which is really, really exciting. And essentially, yeah, those two things like, um, I guess, have created the core foundation of us being a B Corp. So yeah. that was a very rigorous and difficult um, certification to get. It's a hell of an audit. Yeah, it is. They look at everything and like every single thing you've donated needs to have proper receipts and, um, you know, documentation and all this stuff. And I was actually really lucky. My, my sweet mother, Lorraine, she, uh, she's been working with us on more of an administration side and she was, cool. it was, you know, working with me on trying to essentially get this uh, certification and following up with all the uh, the vendors we had donated to because I mean when we started we were like showing up in our van and giving stuff away and like we, we weren't there was no accounting yeah yeah I got yeah yeah track of everything we donated but we weren't like we didn't have the foresight to be like yes oh, we need these seats one day to get this certification we were just yeah. like we're making this product let's go and share it with the community <laughs> I love it um, naive and but also like um just figuring it out essentially. yeah 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 no man that's so cool and yeah the b corp certification and audit is real like you were saying and i know how much time and energy goes into that and uh yeah congratulations on um you know bringing your business up to the level of being able to meet all of their criteria because that's huge yeah thank you so much and it, like even just going through the process itself really gave oh yeah the understanding of okay this is where we're at these are the things we're doing good in yeah. But also, there's this entire other world of yeah. governance and systems and yeah. employee equity and like yeah. all of this type of stuff where it's like so many. Yeah. That, I mean, I never went to business school. I just started making dips and selling them. So I was like, I, I don't know how to run a business, but that was like a really like step by step clear way to understand, OK, these are, you know, the, I guess, systematically good ways 
to run your business yeah that benefit not only just a corporation but the community and please mm-hmm. and um the environment and whatever else right so yeah, yeah really cool exercise myself dude that's awesome how do you see it um you know not only impacting your business in terms of like you know uh how do i say it like it all being squared away on the back end but sort of what value do you think it's going to bring to your consumers and sort of um you know in terms of giving you further exposure and giving your consumers um a bit of an indicator that you are squared away (laughs) i don't know if i worded that correctly but i'll give it a go at that no i love that yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah i think like i guess on the back end side of things there's a lot of companies out there that are selling dips, sauces, whatever yeah. else. Uh, there's no other B Corp companies doing it. Mm. So right away when it's called <clears throat> a purchaser um, or on another side of things, like currently we're, we're raising a round of investment. It's like that. It's just a really great thing to essentially prove that we're not only a business, but we're a business that's trying to like make a positive impact. It gives you credibility. Like that's the one thing that I found at Salt Spring. I'm like, you know, there are a lot of people that are talking the talk, but we're walking the walk and here is proof in the pudding that we're credible. And like, you know, we've been rigorously audited and here, you know, this is the proof. Yeah. That's the way I used to speak to it. And people, people respect it. People know. They do. Yeah. They know how much of a commitment it takes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's also not necessarily a cheap thing. It's not overly expensive, but it's something you got to put money into and time and resources and, yeah, I think also like on, on the consumer side of things, you know, the same the same sentiment exists rather than, you know, taking a chance on you to, you know, bring you into a store or invest in your company. It's like, I'm going to take, it's just one more incentive for them, you know, if they've never tried your product because, um, you know, sampling right now is in this kind of weird area. It's like, okay, I've never tried this product, um, but okay, well, they have this, you know, B Corp icon on them. Well, that's that's great so okay maybe i'll check out the website or maybe they don't even need to check out the website they just know what that means yeah i'm gonna support these people because they're doing the right things yeah I maybe yeah, not yeah. you know there's there's different yeah there's different um levels of doing the right thing i think as well but in order to become a b corp you got to be doing at least quite a bit of it right so it's a just, huge volume of it yeah, yeah it kind of it weeds out yeah, like you said, the talkers from the doers, perhaps. No, you're spot on. Mate, you mentioned investments. Uh, walk us through what's happening in that space because that is also a huge undertaking. So uh, what kind of um, investment campaign are you under right now? Yeah, so are you familiar with the with the safe structure of investment? No. No. So I'm not going to be able to do a good job. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, not a business guy. Uh, I am, but yeah. Um, no, it's essentially... Oh yeah, I'm gonna do. I'm, anyone listening, just look up safe investments here and mute me. Um, <laughs> I'll put it down in the show notes. Yeah. Um, no, it's essentially like it's a safe. Um, it's a something for future equity. Okay. So it's not a triggering event in terms of people that invest right now. They're not getting a percentage of the company right away, right. but they're getting a bit more value once you raise a series A in the future. So it's a bit like a pre-seed round. It's essentially a, a form of investment that was created by the y, y Combinator to okay. early startups raise capital without giving up too much equity. Um, the exact mechanics of it, I'm not too sure how it all works. Um, but yeah, we're looking to raise around $400,000. 
Um, and we've raised around 150 of that right now. And we started maybe a couple weeks ago, a few weeks wow, ago. Wow, man, congratulations. Lots of pitches and kind yeah. of really cool process of kind of like, I don't know, just explaining to people where we're at, what we're doing, why we believe that essentially we're going to be, you know, a profitable company moving forward. Like all transparency, we're not a profitable company right now. Um, but, you know, it, I think that's just part of growing and getting to scale is yep. like, you know, you need to you need to hit those numbers and kind of like get more accounts and more exposure to get there. Um, but we have a definite path and trajectory to get there, which is super exciting. Um, and yeah, no, it's been it's been really cool. We've gotten in front of a lot of really interesting people and a lot of value aligned people as well. There's a lot of different kind of funds and investments, I guess, opportunities that really they try and focus on people within, I guess, whether it's like social or environmental justice um, and kind of more of a green lens within that. Um, so that's kind of how we're pitching it as like, hey, we are, you know, we're B Corp. These are all the things we're doing to impact a positive um, change within, you know, our community and the environment and uh, the world at large. And this is also how, you know, because it's an investment, this is how you are going to make your money back. Mm. Um, you know, kind of highlighting all of those things. So yeah, it's just <clears throat> thing that we have never done before, but we're, you know, leaning on our, on our community, asking people who have done different raises um, and just learning as we go, essentially. It's been a pretty cool, Pretty cool undertaking. That's cool. I bet, mate. That was actually the first question I was going to ask in response to this. So, like, you know, this is your first time that you've actually had to go out there and source some funding. Um, who did you lean on? Who did you go to? And who have you spoken to that's provided you some really good information? And and yet, are you working with a third party to assist you through this process, or are you sort of going out there and doing it all on your own? Yeah. So, um, we're not working with a third party. I guess we have been working with our lawyers. Yeah. Um, they've been a really great resource for us just in terms of understanding the, the nitty gritty mechanics yeah. of this and, and kind of really setting up our corporate structure um, in, a, in a more legitimate way. Like when we started, it was like, okay, we got a hundred common shares, blah, blah, blah. We're just yeah. going to, we got these couple documents. And over the last couple of weeks here, we've really kind of dialed in and had like a full audit of our company, where we want to go. And that's been really helpful. Yeah. Them. But I'd say in terms of, like people in particularly, Sarah from Chiwis, she has been probably our top um, resource to lean on. Sarah's awesome, isn't she? Yeah. She's great. Tyler is a really, like, I guess we we all, I have, um, you know, a more of a see at trade show friendly, hello, hey, how you doing type relationship. But I think Tyler has a much more in-depth relationship with her. Yeah. Um, and there's been a couple other people as well. Like I haven't been overly involved in that side of things like my main focus has essentially been getting all of the production distribution everything all of that set up and ready to go whereas tyler and adam have been more leading this side of the investment cool. um but yeah it's kind of been more of their network i would say but sarah because she raised through a safe and yeah i i don't know exactly how much she raised but she did a couple rounds through it and it went super successfully so that was that's great why we i guess leaned on her a bunch and yeah She's been super helpful. Um, Aki from Save the Sea, she's been really helpful as well in terms of sharing network stuff. And I think she's recently done uh, a bit of an investment round as well. And yeah, lots of people within, it's a pretty cool community. Of, Isn't like, it? Yeah. Because everyone, everyone goes through the same struggles, maybe not the exact same, but it's like very common and similar in terms of like what 
needs to be done to grow a business in this yeah. And yeah it's hard man it's like it's it's crazy hard that's for sure yeah, man, Sarah's amazing. Um, she's a client of ours at Foodpack and she's I've got Sarah as an account. And uh, next week, we're actually delivering a nice big piece of equipment that's going to help transfer uh, transform her business. We've got a Netway filler being installed out there for her. So really excited. And Sarah was also one of my first guests on the podcast as well. So we go back quite a ways. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, I'm, I'm super happy to hear that for you. And yeah. I know, yeah, like especially having your own having your own facility yeah in every little bit of those like kind of machines that come in and save you you know x amount of time or effort, yeah like, it's just it's worth its weight it's in gold so yeah yeah no her output's about to be uh extrapolate out quite nicely so i'm excited for her but yeah it was interesting story with chewies because when she first had the vision for the business her whole intention was to build a a local company in squamish and employ local women and uh, then she sort of got to a point where she's like actually no i need to move all of my production over into a co-package so she was really sort of like taking receipt of the stock and marketing and selling it and then now she's bringing it all back in house so she's sort of like pivoted on her own business model as well just like you have and um you know it's really interesting to sort of see over time how a business can change and grow as required and yeah she's testament to that yeah that's awesome no i yeah actually i, I do remember that as well because yeah she did it all in-house and she outsourced a bunch of it and then yep. went back in bringing up all back yeah that's awesome that's probably one i would imagine one of the main reasons why she was raising money as well yeah no um, doubt food equipment is not cheap that's for no sure. it's not cheap and you know like it's an interesting thing because like, um, you know, you can go to China and you can buy equipment that's relatively cheap. Um, but if you're going to invest in your business, you want to invest in quality. And when you're investing in quality, it's not cheap. So, um, but it's reliable and, you know, parts are readily available and so on. So, yeah, I mean, you've got to make a strategic decision at some point that you're going to, you know, double down and invest in the right equipment. And when you do, I think you'll see some success, but, you know, it takes time to get there as well. You know, people can't always invest in quality equipment up front, but um, over time, as the business grows and the the um, business allows them to, it's it's always a really good move. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, man, that brings me back. Um, <laughs> back in our back in our early days, we Eric and I, we were thinking because like we essentially filled all of our products by hand, like we had with a spatula or something. Yeah with a spatula but then also we we graduated to piping bags oh yeah yeah cool and uh it was just it was painful so we essentially <laughs> we, we purchased this pneumatic piston filler from from china yeah and oh, this is a great deal it's only 1500 bucks oh my god this is going to be amazing it's going to revolutionize <laughs> our, our essential production and your output yeah it would have but man it, it it was like months and months of like every single week we'd get in there and we'd be like okay this time it's going to work. And then it would be like perfect for like three jars. And then it would just like completely stop working. Oh, and Eric is a mechanical engineer. So he was yeah. like tinkering around with it all the time and trying to get on the phone with China. to like answer. And like, I would never recommend purchasing anything cheap from China ever. Dude. It's the, the headaches it causes you. And it was yeah. just threw away $1,500. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the nine grand. But at that time it was like, we don't have nine thousand dollars. You had fifteen hundred bucks, and you know what? It was a lesson that you had to learn. Well, like, yeah. yeah. Oh man, that's funny. Um. All right, let's move the conversation to your brand. Your brand is beautiful. It's recognizable at the trade show. It stood out. Um. 
are you moving that in any direction over the next sort of 12 to 18 months? Or are you sort of really you're like you're confident in the brands that you've developed the brand persona and it fits the market that you're targeting or where are you sort of heading in that space? Yeah, thank you. I well, appreciate that. That's um, shout out to Adam. He's the, he's the man behind the brand. Um, and also hope as well. Hope Aylin, she's the one who's done all of our kind of packaging design and all of that recently. So her name gets thrown around out there. I've heard Hope's name before. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them great people. Um, yeah. I mean, I think recently we've done a little bit of a brand. I wouldn't say a refresh, but change things around a little bit. Um, we kind of took inspiration from, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with like Nooch Pop. Um, oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So they on their on their bags, beautiful bags. Um, but they have, you know, a little caricature design of the, I think it's maybe three or four of the girls um, kind of eating their popcorn and dressing it or whatever it was. And I saw that and thought, you know, I think people really love to support real people and not just, you know, a, a, a business. A here. banner. Yeah. So essentially, we've incorporated, there's a bit of like an iconic photo of us, maybe not or iconic, maybe not. <laughs> In 20 years time, you'll be looking back and going, this is iconic. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's of, uh, it's of the three boys. So Eric, Tyler, and Adam, and I'm kind of like, they're holding me and I'm kind of like sideways. I know the one. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially we got a little character design done of that. And we put that on that on the new labels. Um, and that's also on our like food service packaging as well. And we've gotten really good feedback on that. People really love it. And yeah, essentially it's been, that's been super cool. Um, and we're just trying to make things a little bit sleeker and, you know, compress it, make it more minimalistic, um, in terms of, I guess the overall like brand and where we're going to take it, those are going to be some big decisions tomorrow. We actually have a big kind of quarterly meeting and we're going to be discussing more of that and where we want to and branding and all of that in the future. Um, so I guess in our next conversation, we may be able to circle back more on that. Um, but yeah, like I said, like it's, it's the last, like the last six months has kind of been just like survival mode. Like, yeah, man. Want to get to this next stage. Yeah. To be able to move along as a business. Otherwise, we may not have a business. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Energy and resources has been more into mm -hmm. We just got to figure out this back end here. Yeah. And, and, you know, after that, we can, we can really work on more of these, I guess, I don't know, like, Projects that aren't a priority right now, but are important for the future kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, dude. Um, it's always interesting to watch the evolution of a brand, you know, for a startup, you know, like you see their very first, you know, launch into the world and then you see a slight iteration and then you see they've got some money that they've spent on it and they go to a designer. And, you know, I just, I'm always really intrigued to sort of see what is in the um, sort of front of mind for the founder when it comes to a brand like is it meeting your expectations and like is this sort of like ultimately where you want it and you know some people are really really happy with their brand and you're like this is it like um i just had mickey Talebi from ume on her brand is stunning like she hit the market with a brand and she has put all of her energy into the development of this brand and um you know she's really satisfied in it and like hats off to her for the energy that she's put into it and like i mentioned before like your brand is stunning out there as well it's just a really clean brand that's recognizable and it's sort of what i find about the justos brand is you know like there are dips out there and dips can be sort of pretty boring 
you know, like you go out there, but it's not a boring brand to look at. Like you pick up the jar and it's interesting and you want to read the label. And I think that's a, a huge benefit. Like for somebody who reads a lot of labels, I'm actually like drawn to your label and I want to read it. And so, um, yeah, man, I think you guys are definitely on the right mark, but I think, you know, meetings that they're about to have like the one you are tomorrow are really exciting just to sort of like, you know, shake things up and go, Hey, what potential do we have in this and how can it help us move the ball further down the road? Absolutely. Well, thank you. I appreciate that a lot. And I also agree with, um, with, is it Ome? Ume? Ume. Ume. Yeah. Oh goodness. They, they're like, I've literally sent different, um, Instagram stories of their, of their like trade show setups or even just their setups. And I was like, Adam, this is beautiful. This is minimalistic, like simple, really stunning. Um, yeah, just like vibe. It's a clean aesthetic, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, absolutely. They've, they've just been crushing it, which I'm yeah. see, and hopefully they're doing well. Um, and yeah, in terms of our side of things, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with it. I mean, I think it's been a, an interesting evolution. Um, like back in the day when our first, you know, our jars had like doodles etched right into like the, the jars themselves. Yeah, we, that's right. You had a silk screen on it, didn't you? Yeah, exactly. And then we had a sticker on top that was like a mandala design. And it was like a little bit confusing because it was like a mandala. And then also doodles, but now it's more like simplistic with some doodles. I think like moving forward, we've chatted about this previously is like almost for like the tzatziki or the queso or the mm. ranch or whatever kind of products I have coming out moving forward. It's like with these doodles, with these designs, can we almost paint more of a, a unique landscape with them? Because currently they're the same design on each one, just different colors. But I think that there's potentially an opportunity there to... I don't know for the tzatziki have like a bit of a, a Greek island type vibe or yeah. so kind of have, I don't know, more of like a, a desert kind of like, I don't know, Mexican type of vibe or something. Yeah. Yeah. Joshua tree kind of feel to it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, for the ranch, get some, get some cowboys on there or something. <laughs> Lassoes. Yeah, exactly. Well, dude, listen, I'm stoked with the, uh, the story and the conversation that we've had today. It's evident that you guys are putting your heart and soul into this business and you're really working um to move the ball as far down the road as you can and you know there's only so much that you can do in a year but i feel as if you've made a hell of a lot of traction and uh yeah hats off to you guys mate i'm excited for your next 12 months well thank you hayden i appreciate it and uh always an awesome time being on being on the show and chatting with you and it's it's also good just to have this experience to kind of like i don't know take a step back reflect yeah you know chat about this in a different lens where it's not just an internal dialogue right yeah 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 for sure you invite me to come back on and yeah excited for the next time it's going to be hopefully even more fun things in the next 12 months yeah cheers mate now um the way that i always like to sign off in this is what's the best way for people to get in touch if they want to continue the conversation with you yeah um we have a at uh, www.justos.ca uh is our is our website and there's a little contact form there in the top right and that email goes directly to me um or if you want to do it directly it's justin at justos.ca pretty easy to remember um and yeah there we also have an instagram page too it's just justos.ca so everything's very justos.ca locked down um but yeah that that's kind of the best way and i'm also on linkedin i will admit i'm quite bad at linkedin i i don't uh, i don't really engage too much i'm a bit of like a anti not anti-social media but i just I, I like my me time so i kind of like disengage a little bit um but linkedin's also good as well but i think emails are typically 
typically the best way. Best way. Awesome, mate. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time and good luck for your continued success. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Bye. Thanks again for joining us for episode 96 with Justin Kapetsky from Justo's Plant-Based Tips. If you've got any feedback from today's episode or you'd like to get in touch with me, definitely reach out. And the best way to do that is by emailing me at hayden at thepackheavypodcast.com. Or like I said at the start of the episode, you can also find me on LinkedIn at Hayden Thompson. That's T-H-O-M-S-O-N. Now, episode 97 next week will be fast approaching, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, In the meantime, happy Thanksgiving, like I said, and thanks again for joining us. Cheers.